Hello, vampires and slayers. This is Mixtress Ray, and you're listening to Mixtress Radio. Slash the podcast, what's this bitch talking about? It's time for episode three in my Buffy rewatch project entitled The Witch. So I wanted to give you guys a little intro of I'm starting to put together an actual structure for this whole thing. And I'm going to let you know what I've come up with so far and what sources I'm going to be using because I have a stack of Buffy books by me right now in which pretty much all the Buffy books I own that are, I have two episode guides. One of them is a total piece of shit pretty much and it angers me, but it sometimes has facts in it. So <laughs> I'm still going to at least glance through that every week. And um, another one that's actually a good episode guide. And then I have how many others? Three other Buffy books that I have a lot of like Buffy academic books. Like there's one. Anyway, I have a lot of Buffy academic books and three out of like five of those books have indexes where I can just like look up any of the episodes that I'm um watching and it will tell me which pages those episodes are referenced in the book so I can just like essentially just go through anything any information about each episode beforehand so that I'm armed with information going into watching the episode itself. I have decided that in order to do this project properly I'm probably going to have to watch each of the episodes more than once. So with that in mind if you are a person that would like to watch these episodes with me, that makes the scheduling stuff a little bit more flexible because um, part of my project is watching every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer 20 years after it aired, which means I do have to watch it on that day at some point. But if I'm going to be watching it multiple times during the week anyway and doing research on the episode so that I have more information to share with you guys... That means that if it doesn't work for you to watch it on the day that it aired, which is usually going to be a Friday, if a Friday doesn't work for you to watch it with me and do commentary on it, that's okay because I'll still be watching it on the day of anyway, so we can schedule it for some other time during the week. So, if you're listening, Sagan, Michael, my mom, anybody else that might be interested in watching Buffy with me, um, we can do that on any day because <laughs> I'm just I'm expanding um, the rules because because I really do need to watch each, uh, each episode more than once, I think. it's I would like to do a more thorough investigation of the episodes than I did last week where I basically just watched it and gave you my random commentary, which is what I did with the blog. Um, I did a Buffy blog rewatch blog a few years ago and that's essentially what I did with that I just typed along as I was watching it just my initial thoughts and just my off-the-cuff thoughts and I'd like to just be a little bit more detailed with this so here are some things I came up with basically there's going to be five main things that I mention every single time I'm um doing the Buffy thing um these don't necessarily have to go in this order but for each episode, I'm going to name best quote of the episode, best outfit of the episode. I'm going to just be throwing facts at you that I gather from the different books that I own. That's three things. I'm going to tell you the music from the episode. 
Um, and of course, if you're listening to the radio show, I will be playing music from each episode. But that one is not like an official segment, probably, because not every episode of Buffy will have music associated with it. So it'll probably be something else as a segment there. It might just be like a random observations portion of the thing. Um, and then my fifth, I will have a fifth for sure structured topic. And it's going to be called Five by Five. I don't know how much of this I had conceptually worked out last week. I, I think I gave a rating of up to five, but I think what I've decided, five by five is something that's not going to come or not, not going to come into play until season three because it's something that Faith says a lot. And that's a character that doesn't show up until season three. However, it's an important thing for Buffy, I think. Um, and five by five is something that's used in like, in the military, I think, to represent telling someone I'm loud and clear, five by five. So I decided I'm going to create, I'm going to translate it, that into rating each episode on a scale of one to five or zero to five, I guess, on loud and clear. And loud is going to represent how enjoyable, how just overall enjoyable the episode was, how visceral, just visceral enjoyment of not, you know, taking out any like, I don't know, just higher analysis, just how loud is this in terms of how much do I love this? And then clear is going to be how clear are the moral, metaphorical, and other points that the episode is trying to get across because every episode of Buffy I mean the whole premise of the show is that um, they're creating metaphors within the horror genre that directly correspond with life so clear the clear rating will be translating like how well did this episode get across what it was trying to get across so with And then at the end of that, when I have, this is difficult to explain, which probably means it's not a good idea, right? <laughs> it's just because everything is difficult to explain. So I will have a loud reading based um, from zero to five. I will have a clear rating from zero to five, and then I will multiply them together. So every episode has a possible total score of 25 because if they're rated five and loud, five and clear, five times five is five, 25, right? Does that make any sense at all? So to retroactively, I need to retroactively rate Welcome to the Hellmouth and The Harvest, the first two episodes that I started last week because I didn't do it this way. So I give that episode, just upon enjoyability, I give it a 4.5, like I did. In clearness, in getting across what it needed to get across, I thought it was extremely effective at um, laying out all the groundwork for what the series is about and what it's going to do. It was a very near, pretty much perfect mission statement for a show. I think. I think it pretty much laid everything out perfectly. So I gave it a 5 for clear. So this episode is getting almost a perfect score. So 4.5 times 5 is 22.5. So there you go. Um, so that's for the last episode. This episode, 
So I want to, um, okay. I was trying not to be scattered because I actually kind of organized my thoughts before I started this, but I still sound scattered. So I wanted to take you through a little tour of the, um, the resources that I will be using for each episode of Buffy. There is a website called buffyguide.com. I may or may not refer to that at different times. Sometimes I do that. It's basically an episode guide, and it's pretty good about, I think it only goes through like the first four seasons or so, so I'm not going to be able to use it the entire time I'm doing this project, but it's pretty great for the episodes that it's actually um, filled in for. And it usually lists the music that's in each episode and um, my episode guides, the actual physical copies episode guides that I have are not always as consistent with that and um, not always as accurate. So there's that. That will be used sometimes. I also sometimes use Find That Tune, I think is what it's called. Basically, I just Google music in and then name whatever episode because that is an important thing to me. I want to find the music from each episode so I can play it for you guys on the radio show. So there will be many different sources probably for that. Um, And then there's a book. And then I'll go through the books right now, the books that I'll be using as resources. Um, Sex and the Slayer, a Gender Studies Primer for the Buffy Fan by Lorna Jowett. This book is pretty hardcore academic about gender studies. So um, that one will be interesting to go. I don't know if I've read this entire book in one sitting. It's one of those like it's difficult to chew on because it's so academic. But it'll be interesting to use it as a resource because I can just, you know, do little bits of it at a time at a time just reading about particular episodes. So I think I'll get more out of this book actually Um, using it as a resource like I am right now. The next one is called Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Philosophy, um, edited by James B. South. And this one is pretty hardcore academic book as well that um, kind of teaches you philosophy through the lens of, if you're a Buffy fan, you know, (laughs) teaches you philosophy through the lens of Sunnydale, California. So this is also one that's difficult to digest in one sitting because it's a lot of really serious like philosophy shit. This is a legit philosophy book. Um, so um, that'll, that'll be a fun resource to like think about Buffy through the lens of philosophy. The next one is called Why Buffy Matters, The Art of Buffy the Vampire Slayer by Rhonda Wilcox. This one I'm not sure... I don't think has a specific agenda. I mean, it's basically another academic Buffy book, but it's a little bit easier to chew on than the others. Um, But that's another one that I'll be able to reference. And then my two episode guides, the one that I like is called Bite Me by Nikki Stafford. This one's pretty cool because she actually does in the episode that we're going to watch tonight, The Witch. She actually does like a cool little, like, she gives you the background of the witch persecution from the Protestant church and a little bit about the Salem witch trials. Um, just sort of like gives you a little history lesson and it's, it's just kind of a, it's not your typical episode guide. It's just, it's kind of, it's a person that definitely like loves academia, loves history, 
um, that kind of stuff. And it's not too chewy. You know, it's like each of her episodes is only like two or three pages long. And it's just, it's not too much to deal with. And it's not stupid. Like, perfect segue, the Buffy episode guidebook that I hate, which I bought before I knew I hated it. And I've like marked it up so much um, that no one would want it. So there's just no reason to me getting donating it to anyone or anything because it's just too beat up. It's called The Complete Slayer by Keith Topping. This completely sucks because it's very it's very sexist. Like it's awful. But sometimes it has information like um it usually has the um music that's in each episode and it usually gets that right for the most part. Um, and then sometimes it'll have other random facts, but the way it's organized is terrible. The commentary is terrible. I've bitched about it before. So, but, um, it does have one thing that none of my other books have, which is it tells you the UK air date and the US air date. So that's kind of cool. Um, and it's, I mean, it's good enough to just like skim through all the bullshit and you can get a few facts out of it and I will be able to, um, complain about it too. That'll be another fun thing is I'll be like, oh my God, guess what Keith said this week about this. <laughs> so those are my, um, five Buffy books I will be referencing. Um, you, you guys probably don't really care. But um, three of them are pretty legit, serious, academic books. Um, also, I know there's lots more out there, too. I would love to own more Buffy books. Um, today, I decided to, like, um, go on eBay and, like, look up Buffy merchandise and stuff. And there's a Buffy board game. Like, I'm not going to, like, go super down the rabbit hole of, like, getting prop replicas and Buffy dolls and shit like that. But stuff like um, a Buffy board game, I would really, really like to have. So I put that on my watch list. And at some point, there's two different ones. I don't know if they're just, like, one of them's an updated version of the other one. But there was one version that's older that's like 60 bucks. So I probably won't be able to get that one. But there's also one that's like reason regular board game price, which is like 30 bucks. So anyway, I'm really excited because um, I feel like I'm starting to put together the structure of this whole thing. And I think it's going to be really fun. I also looked up a bunch of different Buffy drinking games and I made like a conglomerate of some pretty cool rules if you wanted to drink while watching Buffy. <laughs> um, so I will outline some of the rules for the drinking game. Um, probably at the top of each episode. I mean, it's pretty simple. Just, you know, outlining a few rules if you feel like drinking while watching the episodes with me. Um, and I looked up Buffy cocktails as well. And I really didn't find, I did find a little bit. It was mostly just like people on forums making up their own drinks that they liked, but I didn't really like very many of them. So it's possible I'm going to have to create my own drinks. So just off the top of my head, I know I'm going to have to create a drink for, at the very least, Spike, Giles, Buffy, Faith. I think Faith is going to be a vodka-based drink. I think Buffy is going to be 
Maybe also vodka, but it's going to be a totally different drink than there'll be like a Slayer base that includes vodka that will work for both Faith and Buffy, but the their versions of their drinks will be totally different since they're totally different types of Slayers. Um, Giles's drink is going to be scotch, going to be scotch based. Um, uh, sorry, I got distracted because an email just came into my phone. Um, and Spike's drink is definitely going to be whiskey based, of course. Although I don't even know if I should create a drink for Spike necessarily because Spike just drinks straight from the bottle. That's all he ever does. He just drinks whiskey straight from the bottle. So I'm mentioning, I just mentioned two of the four characters I just mentioned are characters that don't even exist yet. So of course I'll have to, that aren't even in the show yet, I mean. Of course, I'll have to create a drink for Willow and Xander as well. I just found out, I posted it on my Facebook, so you guys maybe have already seen it. But I just found out that Jones Cola did like a line of Buffy sodas in 2010. And I'm really sad that I didn't know about that. It was like an exclusive Comic-Con thing. But you could also have ordered like a six-pack from the website if you... If I had known about it at the time... That would have been really awesome. Um, the flavors, if you're interested. Giles was grape, which I think kind of works. Dawn, who is also a character that we won't even see till season five. Um, she was root beer. Uh, Xander was strawberry lime, which for some reason I just find that to be perfect. So if I create a drink for Xander, a cocktail, I'll probably do something strawberry lime. Because for some reason that... That clicks for me. I don't know why. Um, Willow was green apple, which I get. I get her being green because she's a total Slytherin. But um, I don't like green apple as a flavor. So if I'm going to make a Willow drink, it probably does need to be green. Need to be a green witchy drink. But um, I don't think I'll use green apple. Anyway, um, Buffy's drink, she was um, bubblegum. She was blue bubblegum. Totally, totally makes sense to me. So maybe, ooh, ooh, maybe Buffy's drink should be like cotton candy or bubblegum vodka. Yes, yes, it should. Because, but there has to be some darkness in there too. Because Buffy is like, she's a dichotomy character. She's definitely like cotton candy on the surface, but she's got some darkness deep within. So there'd have to be some darkness and weight to that drink. Oh. I wonder if like a licorice type drink, like a licorice schnapps, schnapps, or even Jägermeister. I wonder how that would mix with like a cotton candy vodka or a bubblegum vodka. It might be terrible. Because those are both two strong flavors. But that's just my initial thoughts on that. I should start writing this down. I'm going to create my own Buffy cocktail line. Okay? It's going to come out of this project. So, yeah. Okay, what kind of vodka? Because I want vodka for Faith, too. I think Slayer should be like a pure liquor. And I would, that to me translates to vodka. I could see gin 
being a thing too, but I don't like gin, so I'm not going to be doing that. And the thing about vodka is it comes in like a bajillion different flavors, so you can really get crazy with it. Faith would be like a, oh, I don't know, like a blackberry or something. I don't know. Anyway, (laughs) anyway, I'm getting all excited thinking about cocktails. So if you would like to donate to what will have to be a growing liquor cabinet, if I'm going to make all these different drinks for all these different characters, I'm going to need to start buying some booze. So um, if you'd like to donate to that, paypal.me slash Ray. And um, if you do want to donate specifically for the purpose of me creating Buffy cocktails, put in the notes section when you're donating, um, or there's like a comment section or a note section or whatever, whenever you're donating through PayPal. Um, leave me a suggestion of which character you want me to create a cocktail from. So that way, whatever money you donate to me, I will use that money directly to get ingredients for whoever, um, you want me to create, create a cocktail for. Um, so, okay. I'm just, I came on here to like, tell you guys a little bit more about the structure of my Buffy shit. And I ended up, um, talking about cocktails for five minutes, but whatever. Um, you guys know how I work. I'm a booze hound, whatever. Anyway, um, all of that is to say I am getting even more excited about this Buffy project. I'm going to start watching The Witch right now, um, which it's actually a couple days, which it's a couple days before um, the actual day, but I will be watching it on that day as well. So um, I'm going to do my initial watch of the episode right now. I think uh, also one thing I didn't mention, I have the DVDs of Buffy, of course. I'm going to, um, one of my requirements is going to be that I watch it on DVD so that I know for sure if there's going to be any special features, if there's going to be like a commentary or anything like that on the episode that I'm watching, I am required to watch that commentary. Does that make sense? So one of my watchings of the episode will be one with commentary if a commentary is available on the DVD. Um, another thing that my Sagan told me that I should pass along to you guys, I'm really sad to report that according to Netflix, Buffy will not be available after April 1st or starting April 1st, probably. That is really disappointing to me because in the past, for the longest time, Buffy has been available both on Hulu and Netflix. And so it's been really nice to, like, tell people about it that have never watched it because it's easily accessible to them if it's on Netflix. So I'm really sad that that's the case. Um, But if you want, you still have till April 1st. At least watch the first two episodes and you'll, um, that'll give you a good introduction to Buffy. And um, we do have the DVDs at the library. All of them were checked in the other day. So we still have all seven of them because I physically saw each and every one of them. Um, We also have, I would assume that if our library, ours is a pretty small town library, has Buffy, that yours might too. So, um, and there's always Hulu as well. Um, Hulu, you have to put up with commercials, but it is only $7.99 a month. It's, and there's lots of other things on there too, of course. Um, I also... This may be the same for you. I would assume that this would be a thing in at Vintage Stock, which is like a used media 
store in our town and it's available in some other towns too. They are selling the used seasons of Buffy for $9.99. I think all of them were $9.99 each. So that's not really, that's not bad for a season of a show. So if you decide that you like Buffy, it's not terribly difficult to find now that it's not going to be on Netflix, but it's still kind of a pain. Anyway, I'm really excited to watch The Witch tonight. Um, that's the third episode of Buffy, so I'm going to start watching it right now, and I'll come back with some of my commentary and shiz. Okay, so the plot of The Witch, which I've also seen as Witch, so I don't know if it's Witch or The Witch, but on the DVD it says Witch, so that probably means it's just Witch. Um... Here's, the, here's my little plot description that I wrote up. In Buffy's continued quest to be a regular girl, quote-unquote, or at least do regular things, Buffy decides to try out for cheerleader. Turns out there's a Freaky Friday sitch with one of the other cheerleaders' witchy moms. So this is the first episode of Buffy that's just... that starts um, really establishing the formula of a regular Monster of the Week type Buffy episode. This is a you know, open and shut storyline. It is not really relating to the larger arc of the season at all. You don't see Angel. You don't see the Master, who's the big bad of, of the first season. Um, it's just a run-of-the-mill standalone episode, basically. Although, I mean, it's referred to later on. This show is pretty good with continuity. But um, in general, it's just a standalone episode. So some facts... Um, according to one of my episode guides, there is a, they are positing that perhaps Giles is named after St. Giles, St. Giles, who is a patron saint of beggars and cripples, and he was a hermit, and Giles is derived from the Celtic word for servant. I think that might be a little bit telling because Giles really is, I mean, he's supposed to be the authority figure over Buffy, but he turns out to be more of the Slayer's, not the Slayer's servant, but he is in service to her and to the Slayer line and to the quest for good and all that stuff. Um, let's see. This is the first episode without vampires. It's only the third. Um, so it's establishing pretty early on that this isn't just going to be a show about, about vampires and fighting vampires. It's going to be a show about fighting all different kinds of quote unquote evil. This is the first time we meet Amy, who is the kid that her mom has switched bodies with her and her mom is a hardcore witch and she wants to relive her glory days as a cheerleader, which is why she switches bodies with her daughter and she starts like blinding and like setting on fire and doing all these spells to kick different cheerleaders off the team so that she will eventually be called in as she's the third alternate in her daughter's body. She's the third alternate. So she gets called onto the team. Um, Buffy is trying out for cheerleading in this episode at the very beginning. Giles says, as your watcher, I forbid it after this big, long, like lecture about how, childish and stupid cheerleading is or whatever and that it's a cult he calls cheerleading a cult and she says you'll be stopping me how so that was a contender for quote of the episode but actual quote of the episode 
is um, Xander. This one's quoted a lot. You've probably heard this one. Xander saying, I laugh in the face of danger, and then I hide until it goes away. <laughs> so that's one of the top quotes of Buffy of all time, probably. So Xander gets quoted the episode, this episode. Um, I like that Buffy, one of the great characteristics of Buffy is she is respectful of authority her interplay between her watcher giles and herself is constantly showing how she feels about authority she is respectful of it she's respectful of giles as a person more than authority in general she is going to respect each person for what they personally bring to the table and she's not just going to mindlessly follow orders. She will never mindlessly follow orders. She is going to think critically at all times about her situation and what she should be doing. And she asks questions and she is, she's very smart, very good, very good critical thinking skills. So I love how just from the very beginning, she's like, uh, no. Giles tries to tell her that she has to fulfill her duty in the first two episodes for being a slayer. And she's like, meh, maybe. Um, he tells her that she cannot be a cheerleader. And she's like, uh, I think I will, actually. Thanks. Um, and he, you know, he catches on pretty quickly. That's like, okay, well, I'm not going to be able to just tell her what to do. He adapts. He's not like um, a pushy authority figure you know he thinks he knows what's right with all of his watcher training but he learns quickly that you got you got to be adaptable and you got to trust um trust your slayer you know this is the first and probably only episode that willow refers to herself and xander as the slayerettes um because buffy's still not totally accepting that they want to help her every time there's an issue that she has to fix um and she's like, you know, you guys don't have to help. And like, uh, we do help. This is what we do. So they just very quickly, Xander and Willow are like, hey, we're on board. We're going to help you fight all the different kinds of evil. We're in this. They never falter on that. Um, let's see. I don't know if this is going to end up being a segment or not, but especially in these beginning episodes, these first three seasons or so, everything is so 90s, okay? Because it was 1997. 1997 to 2000 is an era of fashion that I really enjoy. Um, so I'm going to notice things constantly, like their outfits and little things here and there. One thing, the object of desire for this episode is Buffy. Do you remember when they had those little pen slash pencil toppers where you essentially shoved the pen or pencil up the ass of a tiny little troll doll? Um, and it was, it didn't serve as an eraser or anything. It was just a little pen or pencil topper. She had one of those. It was just like a purple haired troll and it made me nostalgic and I would like to get one now and, um, use it as my official writing utensil for when I'm taking notes for my Buffy episode. So if you guys can track down one of those, or if you have one laying around, it doesn't have to be purple haired, but just one of those little troll pen pencil toppers let me know. Um, so that's the object of, um, object of, what did I call it? I don't know, whatever. Object of possession, object I wish to possess, whatever. That's the thing of this episode. Um, they were still not, eventually they record Sarah Michelle Gellar, who plays Buffy, actually making like the grunts and stuff for the fight scenes. 
and you know it's unmistakably her voice they have not done that yet so it's a little odd right now because you're hearing the sound effects of i don't know either her stunt double or just someone else i don't know weird um and there's also really cheesy punching sound effects like they got better with that shit not a lot but they got a little bit better with that shit um this is the first sighting of giles's 1963 citron so that's really funny. He has this beat up old stick shift. Is it Citron or Citrion? I don't know. Whatever. But it's a really cute car. Um, let's see. Sex and the Slayer, the my um book about gender studies and Buffy, points out that Xander is heterosocial, meaning that he only hangs out with the opposite sex socially. He doesn't really hang out with other men. He never really does. It goes badly if he tries. Um, and this is something that I have found one of the reasons why I find Xander endearing, because in my own personal life, I am much, I much more gravitate towards guys that hang out with girls because it usually means that they're less sexist. Almost always. Like a dude hangs out with a bunch of other dudes. To me, that's a red flag in our current society that that dude is probably going to be sexist. He's probably going to treat you pretty shitty because he's dealing with a bunch of other men and most of them are sexist assholes. Let's just be honest. Hopefully that our future is not that bleak, but as it is now, that's how it is. Um, so I realized I'd never really thought of it that way, that that's one of the reasons why I used to have a crush on Xander as a character. Later on, we're going to get into the reasons why I no longer have a crush on Xander, because sometimes he can be an asshole that does not um, own up to terrible things that he has done. There's several instances of that, instances of that throughout the series where I'm going to be talking some shit on Xander, but we're not there yet. He hasn't done anything terrible yet. He did, in this episode, give Buffy a bracelet that says, Yours always. But he hasn't actually told her that he has a huge crush on her yet. Willow has a big crush on Xander. Xander has a big crush on Buffy. But the cool thing about the show, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, is they get that shit, that cliche shit right there, out of the way real quick. Like, in a few episodes, Xander's finally going to ask Buffy out. It may be the end of the season, but the season's only 12 episodes long. I don't remember when he does it. But when he finally, like, asks her out, she shuts him down in a really conscientious, respectful way that closes all future doors for that possible pairing while also not, while also being respectful, you know? Um, that is, um, she's really heroic in that moment. That's a really good Buffy moment. Anyway, so that gets resolved real quickly sometime in the first season, um, possibly even like the next couple episodes. And the thing with Willow having a crush on Xander, that is, I find to be very legit. They've been friends since they were like five years old. She's harbored a long time crush on him and he just doesn't seem to notice her and she doesn't think that she's you know, good enough, worthy enough of anyone's love. So, and she's insecure. So she hasn't really dealt with her crush on him and her character development throughout the series helps deal. That is a good way to show, you know, 
aspects of who Willow is and her growth in that particular um, crush and relationship. It, it reveals a lot about who she is, I think. So it's not there for a stupid reason. Um, and the whole Xander having a crush on Buffy, like it's inevitable. Of course he's going to have a crush on Buffy. I mean, there's just no way around that. And if they pretended that he didn't, that would be weird because it's, he's just going to, you know, he just is. <laughs> this is the first episode in which Giles lies. However, it's possible that he doesn't, that he's, it's not actually a lie at this point And they just didn't know how Giles's character was going to develop. We later find out that he has a long history with magic and, um, he actually was kind of a, a bad boy in his younger years. And you'll find that out details about that later on, I think in season two, but he tells Buffy when they're doing, they're doing the spell, trying to reverse the Freaky Friday situation, get the mother back in the mom's body and ca uh, break a spell that she's cast on Buffy that might kill her. Um, and he says it was his first casting. So probably they just didn't know at that point that Giles was going to be what his past was like. But I find that to be one of the only moments in the episode that's just kind of like takes you out of it for a second. Like what? That wouldn't even be believable when you don't know about Giles's past because he's a watcher. He's been trained as a watcher. He would obviously be trained to do spells and things like that, but I guess the series just didn't realize yet that there was going to be so much magic in this series. This is the first episode with any kind of magic and there will be a lot more in future episodes. Um, so that was just the one like incongruent weird thing. Um, the music in this episode is by Two Unlimited. There's two different songs, um, Twilight Zone and Get Ready for This or something like that. So I'm going to play one or both of those songs on the radio show after I get done talking about the episode. Um, I've already said all the fun facts. Um, I said the quote of the episode. The best outfit of the episode. This one was a good Buffy ep outfit episode. I wrote down three different outfits that she wore that I thought were really awesome. So the first one, she was wearing this really, really, really light blue. At first I thought it was white. That's how light it was. But I think it's just like an extremely pale blue. Mod dress, sort of like it had those two little tiny buttons on the side and like a fake belt and it had like a little slit. Um, and she was wearing white sheer tights that had... They never got really close to it, so I'm not totally sure if they were polka dots or they might have been like little daisies, but they were just like little white polka dots or little white daisies on the sheer white tights. And then she had like brown knee boots. It was super cute. And her hair was like very mod. I think she had, um, she may or may not have had a headband, but it was just a very mod hair thing. She had like the bump in her hair and it was just it was cute it was super cute and then the second outfit for in contention for best outfit was the next day Buffy was wearing again it was a very mod graphic print it was like a crisscrossy black and white patterned I thought it was a dress but I think it was just a really long shirt because she was wearing um just like white pants underneath it and it was like a boat neck 
um, graphic kind of mod looking top. That was really cool. And then the th third outfit that she wore in the episode, she was wearing one of those, do you remember those baby doll shirts back in the day? It was like a sleeveless baby doll shirt. It was white and it had like this little um, screen printed square of cupcakes with pink icing and cherries on them. Super cute. And the baby doll shirt even had like one of those little tiny bows at the middle of the collar. Um, and she was wearing like these, this awesome color of like lilac purple pants with it. And this really cool like shirt that she either had tied around her waist or she was wearing at different points in the episode. Um, and it was like a, a sky blue shirt with this lace overlay on it. It was like a collared long sleeved shirt. Um, so cool. I had never really looked at that shirt so closely before. That was the best item in that particular outfit, I think. But it all looked really cute. Um, um, but the one that I think wins for best outfit was that first one, the light blue mod dress with the um, the white polka dot tights. Because um, she just looked so coiffed and like... She just looked like the image of Buffy. Like if, you, if I imagine Buffy in my head, I imagine like a light blue mod dress and knee boots and, you know, that's what I imagine is like her imagery from sometimes they get her so wrong. Like the first two episodes, even they like dress her in a bunch of mom outfits and shit. It was terrible. But this episode, they got it right. So if only they got it this right every time for Buffy's wardrobe. Um, it's not always going to be Buffy's outfits, obviously, that I pick. But in this particular episode, um, hers were the best. There was this really cool cardigan that Willow wore a couple of different times in the episode that was like, it's like an old man's cardigan, you know, the V-neck button up. Um, it was like a 70s looking cardigan that was brown and orange and white striped or something. That was pretty cool. Um, but Willow's outfits typically are designed in, in these early seasons, like at least the first season. They're designed to just be sort of background, like kind of quirky, but not really cool, just sort of receding into the background she's supposed to be sort of a wallflower right now so she's probably not going to win best episode for a little while she gets a little bit more cutesy and a little bit louder later on but not in this first season anyway i have a lot to say about that apparently so my initial thoughts right now and i may come back because i am going to be watching this episode again on friday of course so i may come back whether or not i can find a guest i might be coming back to talk about it with um, someone else um, and I may amend this rating, but as my five by five loud and clear rating, I give it a four for loud, which is just enjoyableness in general. And I give it a four for clear because it was really trying to convey the metaphor of this episode was trying to convey how parents sometimes try to relive their quote unquote glory days through their children. And this was the metaphor of actually switching bodies with your kid and trying to actually literally relive your high school years through your daughter is um, the metaphor in this episode. And I think it is conveyed pretty clearly. Um, there's a few inconsistencies here and there, um, a few things that I think could have been done a little better, but they're still trying to get their footing. This is only episode three. So that means that four times four is 16. Is that right? Four, eight, twelve. Yeah. Sixteen. 
So um, this episode gets an overall rating of 16 because uh, it times the two scores together. So um, I may or may not be back to talk about this some more because I am going to watch it again. Um, so I'll come back with more insights. Maybe, maybe not. We'll see. Okay. If not, um, and you're coming from the radio show, you're going to hear the song by Two Unlimited that they cheer to, which is pretty funny. And you will recognize it. You may not recognize it right now when I tell you what it is, but you will recognize it, I promise. Okay, part two of Buffy the Witch Analysis. Episode three. I'm here with Michael. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we just watched it again. What are your what are your takeaways of this episode? Parents just don't understand. Oh. <laughs> so I was thinking about something that I didn't say before. So at the very at the very end, right before right after they freaky Friday back into mm-hmm. each other's bodies. Mm-hmm. And she's about the mom, the witch, is about to cast a super crazy spell about how you'll never make trouble again mm-hmm. and then buffy turns a mirror back on her so that's how she gets banished to the cheerleading statue mm-hmm. for all time yeah i don't know what i was gonna say about it what was your thought about that <laughs> My thought is, <laughs> um you get what you give man it's uh and you can't always get what you want <laughs> the whole witch, you know, whatever you send out comes back to oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I feel like at the, this point in the show, they thought the third episode, third third episode, <laughs> they thought they were trying to say that witch is bad. Which is bad. Which is bad, but which is not bad because they do a million spells in this show. Yeah. Did you notice? That Giles lied, or he possibly didn't lie. They just didn't know about Giles's past yet. He said that that was his first casting, that spell that he just did. Maybe his first casting of that spell. Of that spell. Of that dispel. But which I think is stupid. Even if, even if we didn't know about Giles's Ripper past at this point, even if they didn't know that. It wouldn't be his first casting because he's a fucking watcher. Wouldn't yeah, they teach him some spells and shit? Yeah. It's part of his job. Yeah. I mean, I think you have to go to Hogwarts for that shit to be a watcher. <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> this is before Hogwarts, okay? <laughs> the Watcher's Council was the inspiration for Hogwarts, okay? J.K. Rowling sitting around watching, watching Buffy. Buffy going, okay, but what if it was a dude? What if there was this really boring sports game? That you had to read for hundreds of pages about. Hundreds of pages. It's like what the whole first book is about. Oh, man. Okay. So. So. Takeaways. Takeaways. Any random thoughts? Uh, that uh, everyone should have, like, literally no one thought of the fact that, like, the witch, when they brought Amy in her mom's body with them to the school like no one thought about like what was going to happen once this spell 
with Cass, you know, of course she's going to switch back into her own body and the witch is going to be right there. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, like, that was kind of dumb on their part. They should have tied her up or something. Yeah. Some of some of the little and when Cordelia was blinded and the bus was coming at her and she was just yeah. staring just at the staring, bus screaming. screaming like why didn't you use that time like, to get the I, fuck out of the way I would believe that if <laughs> in that first shot when she was facing away from the bus and she was sort of holding her head all confused because uh, she couldn't see yeah if Buffy had had to save her in that moment yeah and she had to turn around and scream yeah like no you could have you had plenty of time to get out of the way at that point yeah. Where the fuck was Cordelia the whole time at the end? She was just blinded at home, I guess. Uh, I guess, you yeah. You didn't get to see her sight being returned to her. Maybe. Although at this point, I don't think you're supposed to care about Cordelia. Although, would she be as much of a jerk at the end, like, if she had just recovered from, like, totally being blind randomly? Like, usually, suffering makes people coming through suffering. Well, she, less she, of a jerk, usually, she, hasn't got, she hasn't gotten there yet. She's yeah. still just being painted as one-dimensional yeah. mean girl. Yeah. They haven't added two, any. Two-dimensional. Two-dimensional. You're right. You're right. One-dimensional is impossible. It's, it's a mathematical theory. Mathematical. <laughs> I don't think I talked about Cordelia at all when I first talked about this. Well, Cordelia sucks in this episode. Of course, Cordelia usually sucks. But she is a needed figure. In the high school yes. yeah. environment. Yeah. In the girl high school experience, you have to have the mean girl. Yeah. And Buffy is cool. Couldn't they have gotten someone that was actually supposed to be in high school at the time? Though? I know. She's like 26. Yeah. She's, she's the oldest. She does not look like a high school girl. Neither does that Amber girl from the beginning of the episode. The girl that spontaneous right. came, spontaneously she, she combusted. She looked fine to me. I don't, I don't eh, she looked like she was mid-20s as well. Uh, and the other takeaway is don't be a cheerleader because it's stupid. <laughs> Sports are stupid. No, they're not. There, I said it. People mm-hmm. enjoy it. I don't. I think cheerleading is a little ridiculous because it's just an excuse to have women bouncing their boobs around on the sidelines during. It's just to. It's. I mean. It's like acknowledging that sports are boring, so let's look at the girls bouncing around. Well, I mean, you know, props for, you know, (laughs) I mean, uh, I think initially, though, like people who go out for cheerleading actually care about sports, maybe. I don't know. I doubt it. I mean, eventually it it becomes about money. It's probably mostly a motivator of popularity. shit, don't they? They don't, yeah, they don't get paid at all. What are you talking about? I mean, in school, they don't get paid at all. And then in life, you're just supposed to, like, enjoy it so much. Yeah. Like, athletes get paid millions of dollars, and the cheerleaders get, like, fucking crap pay. Like, they don't even get paid as well as I do at the library. And they have to pay for, like, all the, you know, enhancements that they get. Enhancements? Facials, pedicures, manicures breast augmentations, plastic surgery, blah, blah, blah. They all, they pay for that out of their own pocket. Whereas athletes, I mean, not only do they get their salary, but they get all kinds of shit given to they them They don't have free. a makeup budget. Yeah. No, they don't get a makeup budget. I mean, they don't have to make a budget for their makeup. Yeah. They have to buy. Yeah. <laughs> so what was your favorite quote of the episode? 
Uh, I think it was the very first line of the episode when Buffy, when Giles started off by asking Buffy if she was mad because she was joining the cheerleading squad. I can't remember specifically what he said. Oh, whenever he was telling her that she was joining a cult and yeah. as the watcher he forbids it and she said, you'll be stopping me half. Yeah, <laughs> just that, that whole... Yeah, that, that was one of dialogue. the first things I wrote down because, <laughs> because that's just a perfect indicator of the way that authority is viewed in Buffy because it's not about what title you have. It's about the your respect is given by... You know your actual opinions. You yeah. know, like she's—he has to earn her respect. Just the fact that he can't he's force her... her to do anything. Exactly. She's like, uh, I'm ex- stronger than you, so uh, I do what I want <laughs> by appealing to your common sense. If such a beast exists, or something like that. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and he's learning pretty quickly that he's not just going to be able to tell her what to do. Yeah. And he accepts it pretty readily too. Yeah. Uh so as far as uh 5 by 5 clarity of message, I think it was I think it was a 5. I think it was on point. It was pretty, you know, I mean, I think some parents do want to relive their glory days and if they had the power, would they do that? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And parents just don't understand. Joyce got that. Yeah. And she's like I guess that's just how it is. The conversations with Joyce. I mean, Joyce is not really the best mom most of the time. No, no. She's kind of absentee sometimes. Like, I like don't, she's there, but she's not really... I don't get the clear message that she actually gives a shit about Buffy. She's constantly ragging on her about how she got kicked out of school and burned yeah. the gym down. Like, Well, I think they don't really... like. Again, Josh is sticking to two-dimensional characters in the beginning. Joss. And uh, he, he is, uh, you know, just Joyce is a two-dimensional character. She's just, you know, the, the nagging mom. Well, they don't ever really give Joyce. Like, throughout the series. She kind of evolves. She kind of evolves. I don't know. What about best outfit? You know, that was a hard one. Because Buffy was wearing that mod top. And Willow had the really good orange sweater and and then amy at the end with her pink tie-dye it was yeah and the plaid pants that was an outfit that i would I, yeah i definitely wore in high good. school it was a tie-dyed t-shirt with a peace sign on it and plaid pink, pants and pink hoodie and it was pink, good yeah it was good uh but i think uh like the the article of clothing I would want to have most would be the orange sweater. Yeah, I didn't really notice the rest of the outfit. I mean, she was wearing like a flower shirt. Yeah, it was like a t shirt with a but the orange sweater thing. It's a really good cardigan. For those at home that have not seen it, it is a grandpa cardigan that has orange sleeves, <clears throat> and then it's like it's like a swingers. It's like a vertical striped inward so that the inside of the sweater is like brown and there's like a white stripe and then the yeah. sleeves are orange. It's, it was it's, real it's good. vintage. It was real good. She never wears it again. Where is that sweater now? That's bullshit. Who has that sweater That's now? That's bullshit. You never see it again. I wonder if it's being auctioned. This is one of the best episodes for a wardrobe, I would say. Xander, like... I know that they are terrible 90s shirts. I know they are technically terrible 90s shirts, but because... That's all he ever wore. But because I 
you know, had crushes on boys in that time period of the world, I just remember fondly those types of shirts. Do you remember, do you remember when there was like a two year period where, um, boys fashion included like shirts that had zippers that only went like to the chest area? That still happens. It does? Yeah. Boy, men's fashion does not change the way women's does. <laughs> That's true. But there were just those zippers, and I used to just unzip people's zippers all the time. That was very inappropriate. Yeah, yeah you're inappropriate like that. <laughs> Fucking with people's zippers and buttons. I know. Okay, so... Oh, and... Uh, wait, what was your... So, f- five by five? What was your loud? Loud and... You like, gave it five for like clear. Loud meaning enjoyable. Just enjoy- taking all intellect out of it. How much did you enjoy that episode? Uh, two point five. Two point five. Three. That's really low. Th- I'll give it a three. Okay, so your overall score is fifteen. I mean, like that was a really weak introduction for Amy. You know, who never? I don't ever really like Amy. Well, she's never likable. You only, like, you're supposed to like her at the end of this episode, but the only other times you ever see her are when she's interfering in a witchy way. Yeah. Because she just ends up being a bad witch. Yeah. Or she's a rat. For most of the series, she's a rat. I liked her best when she was a rat. Yeah. Um, Okay. So. What was your score? Huh? What was your score? I can't remember. I gave it four for loud and four for clear. Mm-hmm. So it got a 16. Yours got a 15. Mm-hmm. Um, my best quote is, I laugh in the face of danger and then I hide until it goes away. That's a good one. <laughs> and my best outfit was Buffy's first, the mod dress with the white tights that had the little... Mm. Polka, either one, polka dots yeah, they or were, they, were, they might have been little baby daisies. No, I think they were polka dots. I, in my mind, they're little baby daisies. Well, in reality, they were little polka dots. Well, you couldn't. <laughs> I mean, you see saw it, them for like a second. You couldn't see them that closely, so it might have been little baby daisies. Uh, yeah, I think they were polka dots. Theoretically, they could have been little baby daisies. <laughs> I think. I, it, give you that. I think if I were to work on the set of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, I would have definitely wanted to be. Like wardrobe or props, yeah, because they get to do some cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Especially with props, they get to make pretty cool weapons. Especially yeah. the sword, which we don't know anything about yet. The Slayer sword, the scythe, the, the Slayer scythe. You can buy a prop replica of that on oh, eBay I'm sure you for can. like five hundred bucks. Oh, I'm sure that would be cool. Okay, I can make you one. You could. Well, yeah, well, I made the master sword. Yeah, I should have the Buffy yeah. side. Yeah. <laughs> Keep it on the other side of the bedroom. Yeah. Those are our weapons. <laughs> yeah. Somebody attacks us in the bedroom, which, why would that ever happen? Yeah, I don't know. Okay, so uh, how do we sign off then? Um, Next week on Buffy the Vampire Slayer um, is the episode entitled Teacher's Pet. Um, I'm going to do a little preview because I hate this episode. This is probably the only episode of Buffy that I can say is truly terrible. 
There are a couple other episodes that come to mind that I don't like, but this is the one that, like, is just awful. So if you're watching Buffy and, you know, you... Watching Buffy for the first time and you are at a sensitive place right now wherein you don't know how you feel about it yet, skip this episode. There's really, probably, most likely, nothing of substance. Just listen to me talk about it. So, it's going to be a little weird because I won't, for some weird reason, this fourth episode of Buffy aired a day later than the other episodes, which means... I'll have to watch it on Saturday instead of Friday, so it won't be on the radio show next week. Um, of course, it'll still be available as a podcast episode by next Sunday or something, as per usual. But um, I'm going to get drunk while I watch this one. So Sagan, if you're listening, we need to watch this together. Let's watch the worst episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer together. I'm going to debut a drinking game that I got from a website called foryourinebriation.com. And um, it's going to be something that will need to be applied to all of the worst episodes of Buffy because it will help it be more enjoyable. So I'm going to debut the drinking game next which is called boozy the vampire slayer uh-huh i got permission from them on the website to debut it so um i've made a few alterations to it um because i don't want it to be too complicated you know i just want to be able to like keep track of like five to ten rules in my head of when to drink while watching buffy um and uh yeah so that's next week so it's going to be on the podcast but probably not on the radio show all right, so um, final summations. Michael gave this episode a 15, and I got gave it a 16. So out of a possible 25 in the 5x5 five five ratings. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. Oh, uh, I guess I should tell you, if you're listening to the podcast, you would want to know how to get a hold of me and shit like that, right? I never do that. Mixtress Radio at gmail.com. M-I-X-T-R-E-S-S-R-A-D-I-O. So, um, let me know if you have any suggestions for the way that you think I should do these Buffy episodes. Um, if you like anything that I'm already doing, uh, yeah, just let me know what you think. Um, and please subscribe on iTunes, uh, and give me a rating. That would be amazing. If you give me a rating, you're my best friend. Um, I need to check and see if anyone's left me a rating recently because I should really know about that, right? Anyway, uh, have a good week. Bye!